This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Oh, it has been too long, but alas, we are back here on MLB Morning Coffee. A happy June to you and yours. Apologies once again for the lack of recording consistency. I just can't seem to get this thing on the right track. But we are here now. We are a production of the Athletes Unfiltered Podcast Network, and we are recording at the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. I am the host, Greg Moraz, as always, and today... We are marking, granted one day over at this point, an official two months into the Major League Baseball season. And what I wanted to do after the first month, but spoiler alert, I got lazy because that just seems to be what has happened to me in my life in the year 2021, even though I was a lot less lazy during quarantine and COVID in 2020. I'm a mess. Let's just leave my personal life out of this. But I wanted to go through in our coffee-style segments what we know and what we don't know in the world of Major League Baseball in 2020. And this isn't going to be like it's been in a couple of past episodes in May about bad batting average, high strikeout rates. This is solely going to be about teams, divisions, and players because that is what we have to base the current standings off of. Now, some of the standings are fool's gold and some of the standings are actually legit. So let's go through a couple of things that we know, and then we'll go through a few things that we don't know. So here is the first thing that we know. We know that there is no elite team outside of the National League West. The three best teams in the National League at this point by record all stand in the NL West. The San Francisco Giants, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Diego Padres are the three best teams by record in the National League. Now, two of those, that's not a surprise. Everybody thought that the Padres and the Dodgers were going to be at the top of that division. Nobody thought that the San Francisco Giants were going to be close to contending, but here we are, two months into the season, and they are 34-21, and the best winning percentage in the National League. I don't think that the Giants are going to end up winning the division, because I think that the Padres, who are at 34-22, and and the Dodgers, who are at 32-23, and are both more complete baseball teams. But you have to say at this point that the Giants are for real. I think the biggest thing that's surprising about all of this is that the top three teams in one division are better than the best team in any of the other divisions, which, surprisingly, is the Chicago Cubs, who are at 31-23 and and in first place in the National League Central. But before I get to the NL Central, let's talk about what we know in regards to the NL East. We know at this point that the NL East is an absolute dumpster fire. Somehow, the New York Mets have a three-and-a-half game lead on the Atlanta Braves with a run differential of plus five. The Miami Marlins, who have lost four in a row, have the best run differential in the division at plus six. 
The Atlanta Braves are in a world of hurt now that Marcelo Zuna, who was arrested and charged with domestic battery for beating up his wife, is more than likely going to be gone for the rest of the season. The Braves have been one of the biggest disappointments, and yet, despite how bad they've been collectively at 25 and 27 through two months of the season, they are still only three and a half games back in the New York Mets, who have a laundry list of injuries and have really struggled offensively throughout a majority of the year. However, they are being led by a historic performance from their ace, Jacob deGrom. The Mets are the best team in this division, and that's surprising because everybody thought after the last few years that this would be the Atlanta Braves' year. What we know is that the NL East is wide open, but what we don't know is how wide open it will be come August 1st. We have two more months to see if there's going to be any separation in this division. The Washington Nationals are six games back, and they are in last place. They are still in it, despite the fact that they are seven games under 500. Relative to expectations, and I remember us talking about expectations with Dan Wilson of Locked On Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies have been absolutely putrid. Their bullpen seems to be no better. It's just a disaster right now in Philadelphia. They're one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. The NL East is wide open, and what we know is that there is no team in this division that I would take over any of the other teams above 500 in any of the other divisions. What we know about the National League Central is that you are going to continue to see the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Brewers shift spots one through three throughout the course of the season. Going into this year, everybody thought that the Cardinals were the odds-on favorite, but the Cardinals have lacked consistency. They've also had their share of injury troubles. The Cubs, they sold off Yu Darvish, their best starting pitcher from last year, and they have had a myriad of injuries of their own. Yet somehow, through a regenerated Chris Bryant, a revived Javi Baez, and a bunch of injury replacements that you've never heard of, the Cubs have found a way to take a multitude of their series. They went 19-8 and in the month of May. Their offense has seemingly come back to life after being absolutely putrid in the first three weeks of the season. The Milwaukee Brewers starting pitching has been dynamite. The top three of Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta are three of the best anywhere in baseball. However, their offense has been horrible. They traded away Orlando Arcia in the first two weeks of the season, and Luis Urias did not prove to be a capable starting shortstop, so they acquired Willie Adamas from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for two relief pitchers. Spoiler alert, you never want to send the Tampa Bay Rays relief pitchers because that just makes them that much more dangerous. The Brewers have also been plagued by injury as Christian Yelich has had a back problem that has plagued him the entire season. One would think that if the Universal DH had stayed in play for 2021, that Ryan Braun would still be on this team. But I don't think that you can put it on one guy not being there as the reason why your offense has been absolutely horrendous. The Brewers are going to stay in it because they are a very good pitching team. The Cardinals are going to stay in it because they have the overall most amount of talent of any team in the division and a potential Cy Young candidate in ace Jack Flaherty. The Cubs will stay in it as long as Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, and maybe Anthony Rizzo continue to hit. 
This is a team that is going to just see a bunch of randos in and out of the lineup and in and out of the bullpen for the rest of the year. David Ross, to his credit, and I did not like the David Ross hire because I did not think that he was the right choice given his relationship with the players. David Ross has done a phenomenal job managing this team over the course of the year plus that he's been in charge on the north side. It is going to continue to shift, and we may be in a position where we have three teams separated by two games in the final week of the season like we do at this point right now. On to the American League. We know that the White Sox are the best team in the American League Central, despite the fact that they have lost two of their starting outfielders to injury in Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. The White Sox are at 33-22, and they have a run differential of plus 79. No other team in the AL Central has a positive run differential. The only other team that is anywhere close to the positive category is the Cleveland Indians. They're at minus 6 and have a record of 30-24. and 24. The Indians have a very solid starting pitching staff and one of the, if not the best starter in the American League in Shane Bieber, but their offense is minimal outside of Jose Ramirez. The White Sox, and again, two months into the season, no surprise, the American League leader in RBI is Jose Abreu. Yoan Moncada is on pace for an all-star season. Yermin Mercedes is the front runner at this point for American League Rookie of the Year. Their starting rotation top to bottom has been solid, with guys like Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Lance Lynn providing exactly what the White Sox hoped they would, and surprises like Carlos Rodon, who's already thrown a no-hitter, and Dylan Cease, who's got great strikeout stuff and has seemingly figured out his poor command on breaking balls. The White Sox may need to pick up another outfield bat for the stretch run because their outfield at this point on most days is Andrew Vaughn, who is a really solid rookie, but not a left fielder by trade, Adam Eaton, who can't stay healthy and is quite frankly not that good anymore, and Billy Hamilton, who, despite his speed, is not an everyday center fielder, and your best bench option is Leori Garcia, and for most White Sox fans, they know who Leori Garcia is. For most baseball fans, I bet you have no idea who Leori Garcia is. Well, he's a guy that plays too much. The White Sox are the best team in the American League Central. That's fact. That's what we know. We know that Kevin Cash is a wizard. The Tampa Bay Rays have the best record in all of baseball, once again, at 35-21. and 21. They have won eight of their last nine games. They are two games clear of the Boston Red Sox and four and a half games clear of the New York Yankees. Now, the Yankees did beat the Tampa Bay Rays last night on June 1st, but Tampa, they are finding more and more ways to just baffle our mind. Everybody thought the Rays were going to take a step back this year because they traded away Blake Snell and they let Charlie Morton walk for basically nothing. However, Tampa's pitching staff has continued to just put great performance together after great performance. It's really something to marvel at. Tyler Glasnow is having a Cy Young-type season. Through 12 starts, he's 4-2 with a 2.69 ERA. He has struck out 106 batters in 77 innings. He has a whip of .92. 40-year-old Rich Hill is 4-2 with a 3.32 ERA in 11 starts. He has 60 strikeouts in 57 innings. 
Look at this bullpen, though. Andrew Kittrich, a 1.380 RA. Josh Fleming, who is one of their long men that can also start. He has a 2.98 ERA. Shane McClanahan through six starts, a 3.29 earned run average. Ryan Yarbrough hasn't been great, but he's still found a way to eat up innings. 57 innings in 11 appearances, seven of them starts. Pete Fairbanks has been awesome, a 1.5 ERA in 13 appearances. And their closer, Diego Castillo, He's not been as good as he was, but he still has 28 strikeouts in 20 and two-thirds innings of work. Jeffrey Springs has been a revelation out of their bullpen. He has appeared in 22 games as a 3-4-2 ERA, and the submariner Ryan Thompson continues to do what Ryan Thompson does, and that is get guys out. Thompson has 24 strikeouts in 24 innings with a 2.22 earned run average. Offensively, the Tampa Bay Rays are getting huge years out of Austin Meadows and Mike Zanino. Sure, none of them are hitting for average, but Meadows has 13 homers and has driven in 39 runs. He's hitting 241, but is on base is 354. Meanwhile, Mike Zanino is hitting just 207, but he has 12 home runs in 36 games. Brandon Lau has had a tough start to the year offensively. He's hitting only 189, but he has an on base of 304. This is a Rays team that's never going to put up pretty numbers offensively, but let's just face it, who in baseball is? The Boston Red Sox are a team that has stayed competitive, exceeding everybody's expectations, and the New York Yankees have been absolutely fluctuating throughout the course of the season. The Toronto Blue Jays are at 28-25, and 25, five and a half games back. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, the Red Sox and the Yankees are playing a series upcoming this weekend. That will prove who the best of those two teams is. Look, it doesn't matter at this point. Unless the Tampa Bay Rays are not at the top of the division at the end of the season, I will still say that the Rays are the best team in the AL because they have proven time and time again that they can make it work with anybody. We don't know at this point what to make of the American League West. The Oakland Athletics are a half game clear of the Houston Astros, and despite how putrid their offense has been, the Seattle Mariners are just three and a half games back of the A's for first place in the American League West Division. The A's are a team that, very much like the Tampa Bay Rays, just continues to put it together. The A's starting pitching has been less than spectacular. Of the four starting pitchers with at least 10 starts, only two of them have earned run averages under four. That would be Chris Bassett at 3.53 and Sean Manaya at 3.86. Who knows what's going to happen with Jesus Lazardo now that he has come back from the injured list and is pitching out of the bullpen. Mike Fires made two starts, went nine and a third innings, and then went back on the IL. Cole Irvin has been okay, and Frankie Montas has had some issues at least keeping the ball in the ballpark. He's allowed a team-high 11 home runs. On the offensive side of things, the A's are hitting home runs, but their second-best offensive player, that being Ramon Laureano, just went on the IL. Matt Chapman is having a horrendous season. Through 56 games, he's hitting 198 with a 308 on base, 5 homers, and 21 runs batted in. The A's offensively only have one qualifying player hitting over 260, and that would be Matt Olson. That is not sustainable. The Astros have been less than consistent as well, but they're finding ways to put it together because Dusty Baker has evolved in the modern game in regards to managing. The Seattle Mariners offensively are the worst team in the American League, 
and yet they just got worse because Kyle Lewis has a torn meniscus and the 2020 AL Rookie of the Year just went on the IL. This division I don't know anything about because I cannot say that the A's or the Astros are the best team in the division because both of them have glaring flaws. The Mariners have a huge flaw, and yet somehow they have been able to stay competitive through two months of the season. We don't know what the Minnesota Twins are going to look like come July 31st. This has been by far the most disappointing team in the American League. The Twins are in last place in the AL Central at 22-32. and 32. I was actually at Target Field over the weekend, and I'll say it was a lineup that was a sight to behold. When Rob Snyder is your starting center fielder and some guy that I can't pronounce his last name was your starting catcher, that's not a good sign. The Twins have been battered up by injuries, but they've also been battered up by inconsistent starting pitching and really bad bullpen play. Alex Colome has an ERA over five, and they signed him to a one-year $10 million contract to be their closer. The Twins just have not seemingly been able to put it together. Miguel Sano is having an absolutely horrendous year as their starting first baseman. Josh Donaldson is at the point where he more than likely could be traded if he starts to produce again because the Twins, let's just face it, They're at the end of their rope in terms of competing for an American League Central crown and competing for an American League pennant. However, the Twins have proven that they can get hot, at least in the past couple of years, with Paul Molitor and now Rocco Baldelli as their manager. I would not put anything past the Twins until we get to the trade deadline. But what we don't know is what the next two months are going to hold for the Minnesota Twins, who have yet to prove that they can put together a solid week of baseball. We don't know, and we have absolutely no idea, what the American League wildcard is going to look like in the next month or two. Because when you think about it, you've got three teams within five and a half games of first place in the American League East. You've got the Royals, a game above 500 in the AL Central. You've got the Mariners at 500 in the American League West. And the Mariners at that point are only three back of the second wildcard spot. That is currently being held by the Boston Red Sox and in second place, the Cleveland Indians at 30 and 24. The Yankees are just a half game behind them at 30 and 25. The American League wildcard race is going to be absolutely nuts. What we also know is that the National League wildcard race will not be nuts because right now, The top three teams in the National League are all in the NL West. We alluded to that earlier. So unless one of those teams falls back to the pack, you are basically going to have three playoff teams from the NL West, meaning that the division winners are what will represent the rest of the National League in the East and the Central. I will say this. There is a better chance of the wild card coming out of the NL Central than it would be coming out of the National League East. The New York Mets, at this point, leading their division, are the 6th best team, check that, 7th best team by record of the 15-team National League. That's all you need to know in that regard. And finally, we have no idea who the worst team in baseball is. Currently, it's the Baltimore Orioles, but you can make an argument for the Arizona Diamondbacks, for the Detroit Tigers, for the Texas Rangers, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
The worst team in baseball is not clearly defined, and that just shows you the balance of the power of baseball at this moment in time. There's no clear worst team in baseball. There's no clear best team in baseball. There's a lot of the middle, a bunch of really good teams at the top, and a bunch of really bad teams at the bottom. I think we are going to be waiting until the final week of the season to determine who actually is the worst team in all of Major League Baseball. I'll put my money on the Orioles at this point, but don't rule out, based on the way that they've been playing, the Texas Rangers because they have just hit the skids like nobody's business. That's going to do it for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California, and a production of Athletes Unfiltered. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you soon. We will get our recordings more consistent. But this has been MLB Morning Coffee's What We Know and What We Don't Know After Two Months of the Major League Baseball Season. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.